Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for another Tuesday morning episode. And today I have, I think, a very nicely timed interview to share with you. This is with author Carly Fortune, and we are discussing her summer set novel, which is called Meet Me at the Lake. And since here in the U.S. we have just uh, celebrated Memorial Day, that seemed like a very cool sort of summer romance to feature as today's interview. So we have that. And then I will be here again to chat with you about a bunch of new books. This is an amazing release day, and I am so, so excited to tell you all about it. So let's get started. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Carly Fortune about her novel, Meet Me at the Lake. This was released in the U.S. on Tuesday, May 2nd, and we are recording just one day after publication day. Carly, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Can we start with a little bit of an introduction to Meet Me at the Lake so that listeners have a bit of an idea what they can expect. Sure. So it is a a summary love story about Fern and Will, who are strangers, and they meet by this chance encounter. They're both in their 20s. They're both... um, They've, they've both just finished university and are about to kind of launch into their new adult lives. And um, when they meet each other, they have this really great connection and they end up spending an entire 24 hours together exploring the city. And they are sharing their secrets. They're talking about their fears and their dreams and their plans for the future. And they end up making a pact to meet one year later at the resort where Fern grew up. And Fern shows up, but Will does not. And if we jump forward uh, 10 years later, Fern is back home working at that resort, which is the absolute last thing she wanted to do. It's following the death of her mother. 
it's becoming clear to her that the place is not doing so well. Um, her ex-boyfriend is a manager and she herself is, is uh, grieving. And in walks Will, very changed <laughs> from the person that she knew in her 20s with a, with a surprising offer to help. And she is trying to figure out whether she can trust him. And the book goes back and forth in time uh, between the day they spent together in their 20s and uh, the present day summer at the resort with its cast of characters. And it's a really, um, I think it's a really tenderhearted love story. I love the fact that it is a, a book set in summer, especially since where I am here in the Midwest, um, we're supposed to be in spring and it feels a lot more like winter. <laughs> so the idea of like a nice summery book um, is is perfect. You know, I'm guessing a lot of people might save this and take it with them for you know vacation reading, beach reading. But for me, I think it would be perfect just to give that summer feeling to a time that is like much colder than it really needs to be. I feel that because I live in Toronto and we're having a similarly terrible spring. And I, like, uh, yes, <laughs> it's right now it's just so gray and it's pouring and it's quite cold. Um, but I, I love that you say that because I, I feel the same way. I really, you know, I think it's a great book to take with you if you're going on vacation and you get to spend some time in front of water, whether that's the beach or a pool or a lake. But if you're not, if you don't get to do that, it will make you, I hope it will make you feel like you're spending time at the water. Yes. Like if it's, you know, 40 degrees um, Fahrenheit, of course, um, <laughs> you know, you, you might need that, that bit of, bit of warmth in, in your life, kind of yeah. like curiously. Yeah. A little bit of escape. <laughs> yes. Nothing wrong with escape. No. So did you have a favorite part of writing this particular book? I did. Yeah. So I uh, really struggled with the first draft. Um, I, when I had written my first book every summer after, it was a, a project that was just for myself and it came very easily and I wrote it very quickly and the editing process was really quick too. And it, it kind of felt like magic. And so when I sat down to write the second book, I wasn't sure that I could do it again. Um, the first book really felt like a fluke. <laughs> and I, I looked back at my um, notebook to see like, how did I, how did I manage to write a book? And so the first draft was very difficult because I, I was just battling self-doubt the whole time. But once I got through that, once I got the edit back um, from my editors and dove into the second draft for the second draft, I deleted half of the book, the entire past timeline I put in the trash and started from scratch. Um, and that was the most fun I had. <laughs> I, oh. yeah. So the whole, in, in its first draft in its initial draft, the entire book was set at the resort. Um, and the characters it, were younger in, in the past tense, they were just graduating from high school. And in the current version, they're, you know, they're in their early twenties. It's set in Toronto, and um, my editor had made that suggestion. And, and when she said that, I thought, oh, 
crap because that is exactly what it should be. It, it allowed me to explore this idea of um, the way that life puts us on paths we never intended to walk down. And um, that age and stage really lent itself to exploring that theme. And also I, Toronto 10 years ago, was such, it was such a fun time and a great time to be in your twenties. And I just delighted in writing that part of the book. It was so fun for me. So it sounds like that whole like reshaping in the second draft really gave you like what you needed to make this, you know, a, a complete book that would one day be out in the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, and I think there was a bit of freedom. I was so worried about disappointing my editor with the first draft. Um, and then having, you know, had this massive overhaul for the second draft. I don't know. There was a bit of freedom. It was like, you know what? The first draft wasn't perfect. (laughs) That's how it is. And that's okay. Just, you know, like have some, I just felt lighter for some reason from the, at that point, it felt lighter to me, where, whereas I really struggled with the first draft. It's interesting to me that you talk some about, you know, the way the first book came so naturally to you, and then the second book was a bit more of a struggle. And I think, you know, for for those of us who who just read, you know, that we aren't necessarily writing books, you know, on a regular basis. Maybe we have ideas in our heads, however the, you know, however that goes. I think we don't always stop and think, like, I wonder, you know, what went in to writing this particular story? I think we just get so swept up in what we read that we don't always think about like what's behind the scenes and how much work did this take? And, you know, what, what did the author feel as, as they wrote this? And so I love when I can talk with authors and kind of give myself as well as Book Bistro listeners a bit of a glimpse into, you know, what goes into writing the books that we devour on the regular. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad that when we read, we don't, you know, my, it would be horrifying if somebody read Meet Me at the Lake and and said, oh, she, she really worked on this one. (laughs) (laughs) You don't, you don't want people to be thinking about how much you slogged through something. Like it really shows, (laughs) but (laughs) um, it's funny. I just, um, I interviewed Emily Henry recently for her new book. I love her. I love her yes. too. She's, she's just wonderful. And I, so I, the first time I read Happy Place, I just soared through it like a fan because I am a major fan of hers. And then I reread the book to prepare for the interview. And rereading the book, uh, it struck me just how complicated the structure of the book is and how. Um, I actually felt like a little, like not nauseous, but I was like, oh gosh, like it makes me feel a little queasy (laughs) how much work must have gone into this. And, but you Uh know, on my first read that didn't, um, I I wasn't reading for that. (laughs) And which is, which is, I I don't think authors want you to read (laughs) and see that necessarily. Right. I mean, I think, you know, if I'm reading a book just for myself, like just, oh, this is something that I picked up to read and I'm really excited about it, but I don't necessarily have like a a commitment that's wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. I think I do read a little differently 
Yeah. Then I read if I'm preparing for an interview or even preparing like what we do here on the podcast is we'll pick a theme mm. and we'll pick books, you know, that match the theme. So like we did one um, recently on reality TV. And so if I'm looking at, you know, books that fit a theme, I, I read it obviously because it's a book that interests me, but somehow just knowing that this is a book I'm planning to talk about and actually, you know, recommend to people, it does kind of give me a little bit of a, a different vibe when I'm reading it. That and so I'm guessing like that's that. kind yeah. of a similar thing to what you're saying about, you know, when you read it the first time, you didn't necessarily give as much attention to like the structure and how much work did this take to, you know, to make this structure um, I think it's just a, a totally different way of of reading something. Yeah, you're not. I, I wasn't deconstructing it. And you know what? Both experiences are very joyful, like are are rewarding. Um, but I agree, they are really different. So yeah, I think we we get different things from different types of reading. And I love that you say like both things are joyful because I think that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love recommending books to people, but I also know that when I do it, when I'm reading something for recommendation purposes, I do, you know, give it a different type of attention. Yeah. Well, you're, you're analyzing it then also based on somebody else's taste and your, yeah, yeah. Your perception of that. And there's also like, I want to make sure if I'm recommending something, I want to make sure that I, I hit all the notes, right? Like I want to talk about all the things that I loved. I don't yeah. just want to say, oh yeah, well, this was a really great book. Read it. Yeah. Because you know, I, I, want to, yes, I yes. want to say, you know, oh, well, if you love, you know, such and such, then you should really read this because, you know, it, it's a, it's not just, I like people to know why, why I'm recommending something. Why do I think this book is impactful? That's that. And when you really, I find when I really am enjoying a book, I forget it. I sometimes forget it very quickly because I read too fast. Um, oh yes. I, I'm not, I, but I, and I often say to myself, I should reread this, but then I don't go back. And I, some, with some authors whose, you know, books I kind of devoured in a row, um, I can't, I don't know which one is which <laughs> because I read them right. so- so close together. I have to look up the synopses and, and, and see, okay, which, what story was that one? And <laughs> how, now wait, now how did this happen? And did this happen in this book yes, or maybe yeah. this other one? I know yes. it's amazing. I can't tell you anything very specific, <laughs> but it was great. So what do you tend to read? Like, are you mainly a romance reader or like who, how would you define yourself as a reader? Well, I, for a very long time, I was a huge reader when I was a kid. And then when I got to university and was so overwhelmed by, I had a part-time job as as well. I, I was so overwhelmed by the reading and trying to keep up. And, and then, um, so it, it kind of lost its joy. And then in, um, in my twenties, I, uh, after I graduated from journalism school, I went to work as an editor And so uh, my job was reading all day and I did not want to come home and read. 
um, books didn't feel like relaxing to me. So I didn't, I didn't read that much for a long time until I was going through a really stressful period at work. And I picked up, I think it was, I think it was Jenny Han's to all the boys I've loved before. Um, and we were, I worked at refinery 29 and we were that Netflix adaptation was airing and we were covering that. Ah, yes. We were covering that show so much. And I thought, well, I'm going to just read this book. I bet it's, I bet it's fun. And I loved it so much. I read all of Jenny's books and then I just kept reading. I read so many YA books. And then from there, that kind of led me into romance and rom-coms. Um, which when I've talked to other readers, that's like not a strange path to kind of jump from YA to romance. And, and many YAs have- No, like, I, I would or, agree with that. Yeah, YAs have like great love story, little love stories in them. Um, they often, do. Yeah. And so um, I then I couldn't stop re- reading them. And, and that was in, that kind of change for me was in uh, 20, 2018 or 2019. And so now- um, I do love romances and there's so many good ones coming out. I, yes. I have two young children, so I have um, not as much time to read as I would like. And um, I, but mostly romance, but also, you know, just, just good fiction. Like I, I don't, I don't tend to read darker books, um, but sometimes I'll, I'll pick up a thriller that I love. Um, and yeah, so, so mostly, you know, I, or I guess books that would be classified as women's fiction if we're, you were still using that term. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I, I would, a lot of ways we are still yeah. using that term partly because I don't really know like what else to call it. Like that feeling that I get from yes. a good women's fiction book, I don't find in other genres like a general fiction it's true or a mystery it's a useful term even though it is also like I'm not fully comfortable with it but it is right like I wish it had a different name yeah yeah um but since it doesn't I guess we'll just use it I just um read recently a book that I remember when every summer after came out last year people were saying, oh, um, the, the book is called The Paper Palace. Um, and oh, Miranda and Neely, yeah. I think. Uh, Miranda Cowley Heller. That's what it is. Yes. I and, and um, people were comparing them and, and her I would say her book is uh, literary fiction. And I, I just recently read that and loved it so so much and I I can see um mine my book is like similar but I a a romance kind of spin on that um and I just loved it I felt it was one of those books where um it affected me so much I felt kind of low (laughs) while I was reading it but I was like it's okay I want to be in this low place I'm feeling right like be in that space that the book sort of brings out in you yeah. And it, I love books that have, um, that take you through many kinds of emo- many emotions within, within oh, yes. scene or one chapter and that have a really strong sense of place. And that book has both. 
So do you have a favorite like romance trope like that you'll read no matter who writes it or no matter like what the the setup is as long as it has a certain trope? Like do you have that kind of catnip trope? No, I I don't have that kind of catnip trope, but I do have a favorite trope, um, which is uh, I would say I would say enemies to lovers, but more specifically rivals to to lovers. Um, friction is caused not by two people being terrible, like terrible, just terrible jerks to each other, but by, um, some kind of rivalry. And I, I love that. I think that's so fun. Yes. I think there's so much tension that can be built when an author does that well, like in both enemies to lovers and the kind of like rivals to lovers thing. I think there is that tension that kind of starts in one way and then develops into something else. And I love it just sort of watching that develop over time. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's and, you the know, sometimes trope. I think it is. I, I think <laughs> yeah. it is definitely one of the ones that has the most buildup, like a lot of things I think are more instantaneous. Yes. Um, like if you do like forced proximity, like because they're thrust together, you know, things happen kind of quickly. Yes. But I love in like a rival story or an enemy's story that, you know, there's so many things that are standing in the way, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what the circumstances are. Yes. And yes. just watching that change. Oh, it's so amazing. I agree. And it, and the dialogue, it like a really great enemies to lovers book, I think has the best dialogue. Um, and I love, I love second chance romance too, obviously. <laughs> That's both of my books. Yes. Chance romance. I love, I love, I love that. I love when characters have a history. I, I love, um, I, I just feel like there are people in our lives who really stay with us. And so I love bringing them back in books. I, I, I find it so fun. And, um, and I think they can be really um, heartfelt and complex. I think they can, especially if an author really digs into that history and sort of shows us, you know, what, wear them apart the first time and then shows us like how that has changed and how you know they can come back together if they're able to you know put the past behind them yeah and also how they have changed as individuals um in in the time between I think is like you get to do a lot of um you get to kind of dig deep with with character development, which is really satisfying, I find. So is there a trope that you would love to write that like you haven't tackled yet? Yes. Enemies to lovers. (laughs) Ah, okay. Yes. Yes. I would love to do that. I think it's interesting because some people will say, you know, they, they won't write certain things like they you know they feel like oh I really like to read these things but I don't feel like that's where my characters you know end up I can see that yeah and so I I love when people have that thing like oh I really you know I'd love to write this because one of the things people always say is you know write the book that you would want to read yes and so I, I just think that's so cool when those trope things kind of line up like I love enemies to lovers and so maybe one day that'd be something that I would write like that's that's just I love that. 
Yes. And I, I have, I really want to write it. I, I want to write an enemies to lovers. I, feel, I feel like it is either going to come naturally to me because I love it so much, or it's going to be very difficult. It'll be one. Well, I would definitely love to see you do it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Because I think it, it just could be like, so, so fun, both for you as an author and obviously for, you know, your, your readers, I think. The more books, the better. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. Sometimes when I'm, I, I ha- I've, I've had ideas that are enemies to lovers' ideas, and they have felt to me, you know, I consider my books romances, but I don't consider them rom coms. And when I'm, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's true. Um, and like some of the the interactions, like some of the the dialogue. I think you can kind of like get a chuckle at periodically. Like there are, you know, yeah. moments that, that made me smile, but they're not like, it's not, it's not know, a fall down laughing. No, no, no. Yeah. Like hopefully there's moments of levity and yes, there is humor, but it's, it's not a, like, it's not a rom-com and uh, the books aren't rom-coms, but I, and a lot of, enemies to lovers ideas seem when I'm coming up with them, I'm like, this seems like a rom-com, but I know, but I don't, that's not how I write. So that would be, I think one of my challenges is to, I, that, that, I think that will be interesting for me to kind of figure out. Cause I'm, I'm just not a rom-com writer. And a lot of these, the premises of enemies to lovers are kind of um, the premise itself is a little bit funny. Right. Because you figure, like, if you're going to fall for somebody that you really don't like, yeah, like, there has to be something that makes that happen. And it's probably not going to be, like, a super serious, you know, like, super, I don't quite know how to describe it. But there is something about that levity that I yeah. think makes a lot of enemies to lovers work really well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, I, one day I, I will tackle it and I'll see, I'll see how, how I do with it, (laughs) how I, how I, how I work with it. Well, I want to thank you so, so much for taking time to chat with me today, especially right after um, your book came out. I'm guessing, you know, you have quite a bit going on right now. So I definitely appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Sure. I'm most active on Instagram at Carly Fortune. And I also have a newsletter that I send out once a month and give kind of, you know, uh, early bits of news. And I talk very personally about writing and you can subscribe to that at CarlyFortune.com. And If you've listened to interviews that I've done with other authors, you may know that I have a question about your social media, and that is, do you describe your Instagram photos? No. And you know what? I'm going to start. Um, (laughs) I would appreciate that. Laziness. Pure pure laziness, I think. Um, Yeah. As a person who cannot see photos, um, and so who struggles, you know, whenever I, I deal with Instagram, which very honestly isn't very much because it's largely inaccessible to me, 
um, image descriptions are, I think, a, a huge deal in today's social media. And one of the things that I've started to do with this podcast is to ask the question of authors and hopefully, you know, make small changes person by person in the way the world approaches visual media. And those of us who either struggle to interact with it or just do not have the ability to interact with it. Well, consider it done. And thank you for bringing it up, honestly. If you Google, um, you know, the best way to describe images on Instagram, they'll, you'll have a, a nice like step-by-step tutorial for adding alt text or to just add like descriptions of your photos, like in the, in the post itself. Perfect. Done. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> so once again, this has been a discussion with author Carly Fortune about her novel, Meet Me at the Lake. And this was released in the U.S. on Tuesday, May 2nd. All right. So there's only one book that you've heard us mention previously. And normally... This would be something we talked about on our most anticipated releases of May episode, but this is a book that actually comes out on June 1st, so Melissa talked about it on our most anticipated releases of June episode, which, if you haven't heard it, just aired this past Friday. So this is A Thousand Recipes for Revenge. It's Chefs of the Five Gods, book one, by Beth Cato. So definitely visit our June episode if you'd like more information. All right. So let's move on now to some books that you haven't heard us talk about before. And I'm going to kick that off with Witch King by Martha Wells. Some of you may be familiar with Martha Wells. I know Mika really, really loves her Murderbot series. And she also has another series called The Cloud Roads. But this is something new, and it looks to be fantasy more than science fiction. Again, this is Witch King by Martha Wells. Next up is Ink Blood Sister Scribe, and it's by Emma Tours. This is about two half-sisters who are estranged, and they are tasked with guarding their family's magical library. I love libraries. I love magic. A magical library sounds awesome. This is one I definitely want to check out. It's Inkblood Sister Scribe by Emma Tours. Then we have a new Shannon Mayer. This is claimed by fate. Alpha Territories book three. And this, I think, is so far my favorite of the Shannon Mare series that I've read. Now, granted, she has a lot of series and I have not read all of them. In fact, I don't think I've read even close to all of them. But this is like a cross between fantasy and dystopia. So we have kind of like a Hunger Games setting, but with vampires and shapeshifters playing a part as well. It's pretty dark, pretty sexy. I am so excited for this to be released. I think it's actually coming out on the 31st rather than the 30th. And I don't think the audio is coming out on the same day, although I could be mistaken about that. So this is Claimed by Fate, Alpha Territories, book three by Shannon Mayer. 
We then have the bold and the banished. This is Good to the Last Demon, book three by Robin Peterman. And she writes some paranormal women's fiction. Um, from what I've heard, her books are pretty funny. I think Stacy has read a couple and maybe Georgina as well. Um, I think actually the first book in the series was one of Georgina's most anticipated picks a few months back. So this is The Bold and the Banished. And it's Good to the Last Demon, book three by Robin Peterman. We have also Cherish. This is Crave, book six, and it's by Tracy Wolf. If you're not familiar with this series, it is YA fantasy that a lot of people compare to J.R. Ward's Black Dagger Brotherhood. However, one thing that I consistently hear is that some of the pairings here can kind of fall on the side of bully romance. So if you're not a fan of that, if you like your, your alpha heroes, but you like them a little bit scaled down from like pure on bullies, uh, bullies, this might not be the best book for you or the best series for you, I should say. But if you do love it, then you are probably well aware that it's coming out and it is Cherish, Crave, book six by Tracy Wolf. We also have Earth Called. This is Tales of a New World, and it's book four by PC Cast. This is the last book in the series. And I can't tell, it feels kind of sci-fi, a little bit post-apocalyptic, um, kind of a, a young adult setting. I have really enjoyed some of Cast's other work um, that she's written with her daughter, who is Kristen Cast. Um, but this one, it looks like the whole series she has written on her own. And it is Earth Called, Tales of a New World, book four by PC Cast. Okay, so I'm leaving sci-fi, fantasy, dystopia, and I'm moving on to some mystery, thriller, suspense. And we have The Night in Question. This is an Agatha's Mystery, book two, and it's by Cla um, Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson. I know that Brooke and Christine have both read the first book in this series. And from what I can remember, both of them really, really liked it. So this is one that I want to check out. It's set in a boarding school, people who are, you know, young girls who are solving mysteries with Agatha Christie kind of as their, as their guide. So this is The Night in Question, an Agatha's Mystery, book two, by Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson. I want to talk about The Nice Guy. This is also written by two authors. This is by S.L. Harker and Sarah Denzel. I have read a couple of Sarah Denzel books, although I've never read S.L. Harker. Um, I do love when authors team up. I just think that is so cool to see sort of how that process can work and how they come together to tell a story. Um, but this one is The Nice Guy, and it's by Sarah Denzel and S.L. Harker. We also have a new Megan Abbott book out this week. This is Beware the Woman. And Megan Abbott has done probably four or five thrillers by now. And she is pretty popular. Um, I've read a couple. Her 
latest ones, not so much this one, I don't know about this one, but the couple before it have felt a little bit too on the noir perspective for me. Um, they're very reminiscent of some Alfred Hitchcock type, you know, movies. And they're just not something that I have enjoyed as much as I hoped to. But some of her early work, I think, is super, super excellent. There's one called You Will Know Me that I really loved. Um, so if you've never given Megan Abbott a try, I would recommend picking something of hers up just to see if it is your cup of tea. This is Beware the Woman by Megan Abbott. I also want to tell you about Drowning. This is by T.J. Uh, Newman, and it is a rescue novel. So basically, we have a plane that has crashed into the ocean and a rescue mission to look for passengers. So this could be very, very terrifying. Um, plane crashes are something I don't like to think too much about, especially if you're crashing into the ocean. So this is Drowning by TJ Newman. We have a new Serafina Nova Glass book this week as well. It's called The Vanishing Hour. Um, I will be upfront and tell you that I have never read this author before, but Christine really, really enjoys her stuff. These are domestic thrillers, which are always a lot of fun. And the three novels that she has out now, I'm not counting this one, are on my TBR pile. And this one will be joining them there. So it is The Vanishing Hour by Serafina Nova Glass. I also want to share a book called The New Mother. This is by Nora Murphy. She wrote The Favor last year, which I really, really liked. I got it from my library and flew through it. It was one of those like super fast, compelling reads that you cannot look away from. And so I'm definitely looking forward to this one and hoping for more of the same. It is The New Mother by Nora Murphy. I want to transition here and talk a little bit about some historical stuff, because, you know, historical fiction is very cool. So this is Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea by Rita Chang Epig. And this is, as I said, historical fiction about a legendary Chinese pirate queen. So back in the day when I was first getting my start in Romance Landia, I loved pirate books. Female pirates just made me so happy. And so the idea that there is a legendary Chinese pirate queen, and I can read about her here, this is something that I really, really want to get my hands on. Um, I have it on hold from my public library. Hopefully the hold list will move quickly. This is Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea by Rita Chang Epic. Next up is The Paris Deception. This is by Bryn Turnbull. You may remember her. She wrote a book called The Woman Before Wallace, which was about Edward, um, the King of England, and his love affair with Wallace Simpson and sort of everything that you know, led up to that. But this one is set in 1940, and it's about saving artwork from the Nazis and a group of people who band together to do this. 
So this is The Paris Deception, and it's by Bryn Turnbull. Okay, now we're going to transition from historical fiction to historical romance. And I'm going to share what I think has to be one of my favorite titles um, of 2023. This is The Benevolent Society of Ill-Mannered Ladies. It's Ill-Mannered Ladies, book one by Alison Goodman. It is historical romance with a little bit of mystery thrown in about women who use their invisibility in society to get what they want. And sometimes that's love. Sometimes that's solving like mysterious questions. It just looks like so much fun and I want it desperately. So this is The Benevolent Society of Ill-Mannered Ladies, Ill-Mannered Ladies, book one by Alison Goodman. If you like mail order bride books, then this one is for you. This is Marrying Off Morgan McBride by Amy Berry. It looks like this is part of kind of an interconnected group of books. I would call it a series, but it doesn't seem to be listed as such. Um, so maybe they stand alone pretty well, except for the fact that they, they feature brothers. Um, so this is Morgan McBride's book. And his sister has decided it's time for him to get married. And she sends for a mail order bride to come and marry him. This of course turns the family on its head. If you want to see what happens, you will have to give it a try. It is Marrying Off Morgan McBride by Amy Berry. Next up is a queer historical romance, Female, Female. This makes me so incredibly excited. In fact, this should be sitting in my Libro FM library as I speak. I'm recording this uh, shortly after 1 a.m. on Tuesday the 30th, and I think this is already here. It is An Island Princess Starts a Scandal, Los Leones, book two by Adriana Herrera. This is set in what we would consider, you know, the, the Gilded Age of America, but it is set, I want to say, the first book in this series um, was about a, a Caribbean heiress, and it was set at the World Fair. I don't think this one shares that setting, but I think the heroine of this one is a friend of the heroine of the first book. Either way, I am super excited to read this. I don't think we have enough good female-female romances, so the fact that this one is coming out and it's historical and by Adriana Herrera, who is utterly spectacular in everything she does, all of these things lined up together just make me a very happy person. This is An Island Princess Starts a Scandal, Los Leones, book two by Adriana Herrera. And another sapphic romance, because like we can't have too many of those, right? Right. This is That Summer Feeling by Bridget Morrissey. Um, she wrote Love Scenes and A Thousand Miles. Now she's back with a contemporary romance about a couple who meet at a summer sleepaway camp for adults, which I had no idea that was a thing. And apparently one of our heroines was actually sort of slated to fall for the other heroine's brother. 
but she ends up falling for the sister instead. And I couldn't be happier to hear about this. This just sounds like so much fun. It is That Summer Feeling by Bridget Morrissey. And if you're looking for another queer romance, I have Chef's Choice. This is Chef's Kiss, book two by TJ Alexander. This is about two trans people who fall for each other. Um, Chef's Kiss was super popular when it came out last year. I have not read it yet, although I do own it and do want to get to it. But this one caught my attention right away. And it is one that is also, I think, sitting in my Libro FM library. As I record this, it is Chef's Choice, Chef's Kiss, book two by TJ Alexander. Now, I'm going to deviate a little bit from the type of thing I usually talk about because this is romance, but it's a collection of interconnected short stories. And if you know me at all, you know that I don't love short stories. They frustrate me. I feel like I just get sucked in. I just get to know the characters and appreciate the setting, and then it's over. But I could not, could not, could not resist this collection that I'm about to tell you about because not only is it set at the possible end of the world, it is written by six phenomenal authors. And Everything about it looks amazing. So this is Even If the Sky is Falling, and it's by Taj McCoy, Farah Heron, Denise Williams, Lane Clark, Sarah Smith, and Cherish Reed. And these stories are about couples who are planning for the end of the world because they hear it's coming, and then it doesn't. It just doesn't happen. And so what do you do when you've made all these plans for everything ending and then you get a second chance? Hopefully you find love. This is one that I want to check out kind of in spite of myself. Um, I'm just really eager to see kind of how these authors pull this off, bring these couples together and tackle the possible end of the world and then have it not happen. So this is Even If the Sky is Falling. It's by Taj McCoy, Farah Heron, Denise Williams, Lane Clark, Sarah Smith, and Cherish Reed. All right. So I want to now keep going more with kind of what you expect to hear from me. No more short stories. This is Esme Cahill Fails Spectacularly. It's by Marie Bostwick, and it is a story of self-discovery, kind of coming to terms with who you are and your place in the world. Um, I think Stacy has read a couple of things by this author, and although I never have, this one caught my eye right away. It is Esme Cahill Fails Spectacularly by Marie Bostwick. We also have Once More with Feeling. This is the latest novel by Alyssa Sussman. And it is about a former pop star who finds herself back in the spotlight. And this time she's sharing it with someone from her past. Is this a good thing, a bad thing? I don't know. If you want to know, you'll have to read it. It is Once More with Feeling by Alyssa Sussman. So sticking with romance here, but transitioning to a couple of YA romances, 
I am super excited to tell you about Her Good Side by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Rebecca Weatherspoon is so, so beloved by romance readers, and she has traditionally written romances for adults, but this is her first YA, and I am so excited. She writes with so much love for the genre, so much appreciation for everything that it does. She tackles diversity in a way that feels so totally flawless and natural, and I am just really, really happy to see her moving into the YA space. So this is Her Good Side, and it's by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And lastly, I have another YA romance. This is Girls Like Girls. And yes, yes, they do. This is by Haley Kiyoko. And it looks like tons of fun with just enough angst and relatability to really draw people in. And it looks like it's one of those books that I would have loved to have had access to as a high schooler kind of coming to terms with my own sort of space in in queer society. So this is Girls Like Girls, and it's by Haley Kiyoko. And that, my friends, is all I have for you this week. It was a fantastic release week. I was so excited when I was making this list. So many good things to tell you about. I hope that you are as happy as I am to get your hands on all of these great books. I hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, and hopefully getting more rain than we are here in the Midwest. Most of all, though, I hope you are staying well and, of course, well-read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm